right, friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 573. We are recording on June the 14th. It is hot. It is sunny. It is summer. Well, not officially yet, but it feels like summer. Hi, Brianna. It is. It's, uh, it's actually not very sunny here today, but it is hot and humid. And, um, you know, it's summer. I've got one kid at home, so... We're like relearning how to uh, work from home with kids that are not in school um, and another one that will be home finishing school soon. So it feels like I want a summer. I'm like, man, this is where teachers really luck out. You know, I'd like to go jump on the trampoline and go to the park every day. That sounds like a, a win. But um, yeah, pushing through just, you know, uh, things are a little bit slower, probably, I would like to say over summertime, but, you know, also probably not. You've got some travels coming up though, huh? I do. Well, first of all, it was great to see you in person uh, last week in New York, along with our, our mutual friend, Tim Garcia. So that was nice uh, to catch up. Um, yeah, and I'm on my way tonight uh, to Madrid for the Open Geospatial Consortium uh, general meetings. Uh, I'm speaking there on Thursday. Um, and, uh, yeah, like it's, it's 25 Celsius here in Toronto today. It's like 38 there apparently, um, this week. So I'm going from like pretty warm to super hot. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> well, Spain is, is an amazing place. So hopefully you get to have a little bit of fun while you're there and, um, see some of the beautiful sights. I, I love Spain. Um, so the only time I've been to Madrid, unfortunately, it was like very rainy. So that's like a bummer, yeah. but um, yeah, I think time. I've been like between Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, I think I've been about equal, equal times and maybe four or five times each, each city. So it's, it's lovely, but yes. anyhow. All right. Well, we have a good show for you this week, four stories that we wanted to cover off um, some, some general discussion about maybe where our industry is going to start it off. So I'll let Ariana do that. Yeah, you know, we keep hearing about moving towards a more privacy centric uh, consumer, you know, focus, consu better consumer experience focus um, in technology. I won't limit it to advertising, but, you know, we've seen a lot of the work that Apple has been doing. We've heard a lot of conversations around Coquilla's future. What does the future of advertising look like? We've got, uh, you know, big DSPs like the Trade Desk creating their own identifiers in place of the cookie, trying to figure out how do we continue to um, provide opportunities to reach relevant audiences without the cookie. And now we're hearing chatter again uh, from some of the big players, including Apple and Google and Amazon about the IP address and, you know, obfuscating the IP address and, um, you know, trying to figure out ways to make it even more privacy centric. Obviously the IP address amongst other information like your header string, your device type, all of those things can be used for device fingerprinting, um, not on its own. But, you know, Apple produced this very cute video that they showed at their annual conference about, you know, a few weeks ago. And it's, a, you know, a woman walking into an auction and she sees uh, all of her data being auctioned off to the different bidders. and. Um, so it was kind of, it was, it was a very like fun campaign. I think they did a good job putting that together. However, I think we're probably pretty far away from this taking scale. And the reason why I say that is because, um, unlike 
unlike your specific mobile device, which Apple has, you know, obviously a great proliferation of, they don't own the IP space and every connection needs an IP address. So um, although they can kind of control how you are sharing an IP address when you're using their Safari browser, and Google would be able to do the same thing with Chrome, whenever you get to an actual uh, relationship with a business, let's say it's your bank, for example, and you're visiting your banking website, then a lot of times your IP address is really necessary and needed because it's part of something that creates uh, an important decision-making tool to understand are you really who you say you are when you're logging in? Is there impossible travel? Could a thief be uh, logging in from Madrid when he was just in Toronto, you know, eight hours ago and logged in? So there's some very important use cases that go beyond advertising where the IP address is very much needed. You also think about connected televisions and how your IP address is used so that all of your apps and it recognizes who you are and it knows um, how to make sure that it's directing the right content and how it can actually uh, have digital rights management to make sure that you're able to watch that content in the areas that you are. So I think that it's really important to think about the implications of and the use of IP addresses and that information sharing at a broader level beyond advertising. However, I do support a more privacy centric approach. I think also consumers do benefit from a uh, relevance, right? Like we wanna see relevant advertising. We, I don't wanna see advertising for something that is not sold near me or in my country or in my area. So I think that the geolocation aspect being that it's not precise and it's not tied to one specific device can be beneficial. And I think it's something that advertisers who are paying a lot of money so that you can enjoy the content that you're watching possibly for free should be able to have access to so that they can make sure they're reaching a relevant audience when they're spending all of that money. So I think that this is like a give and take thing. We'll see, I think it's many years away from uh, taking on, but I do think there's gonna be continued chatter around more privacy centric approach. You know, How do they enable that? How do um, manufacturers of devices, mobile devices, computers, uh, the browsers that we use, how do they enable that? And then how do brands and businesses um, have a more direct relationship with the consumer so that they're sharing that data? So. Again, early days, people are still trying to figure this out. They haven't even figured out the cookie-less future. So I think, um, you know, this is just throwing another panic wrench in the whole <laughs> the whole market. But uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to add too much more to that because I agree with, I think, a lot of what you said. I think it, it's, um, how, do, how do I say this nicely? I think Google and Apple right now are, you know, spinning a lot of PR around being privacy centric um, and making these announcements and, you know, you know, launching initiatives, you know, Google's platform that they propose called uh, Gannett Catcher, you know, which uh, is their IP address piece. Um, you know, they say the earliest we'll see that is 2023, you know, probably late in the year and it's probably just, you know, testing, right? Um, so I think, I think we're a ways away uh, from this kind of stuff. Um, obviously the IDF phase and those kinds of things, you know, are in the, you know, happening now and, and, you know, things are getting tighter and making it more difficult for a lot of vendors in our space. Um, but, you know, I echo what you said. I think the, the use cases for IP are different than, you know, um, or, or, or a broader range of use cases than, than for purely sort of mobile, uh, ad IDs and things like that, because, 
Um, you know, you raised the one with, you know, from a banking perspective, uh, you know, you have fraud detection, you know, applications, you know, and I was even thinking like uh, here in Canada, we just, or here in Ontario anyways, we just had uh, the opening up uh, here in the province of online gambling. And, you know, gambling online, it tends to be a state by state or province by province controlled you know, a scenario where, you know, only people who live in that province or, you know, IP addresses, you know, coming from that area can actually, you know, gamble or participate. You have to be able to, you know, negotiate that uh, digitally. So, so I think there are a lot of things like that that um, aren't purely about advertising that, you know, this is, it's going to be difficult to try and completely clamp down on, on IP. That's kind of my thoughts. There you go. All right, on to our second story now. So um, we're going to jump over to Singapore, where uh, there's a company called Grab, uh, and they have a platform called Grab Maps. And this is uh, an interesting announcement from them. So they, you know, they're the biggest, you know, super app in the region. Uh, you know, millions and millions and millions of users, um, and uh, they have made an announcement that they've been investing over the last little while in building their own underlying base mapping technology. And so they're not using, you know, Google Maps or Apple Maps or anybody else's. Uh, I mean, they decided that uh, it just wasn't good enough um, for the region. And, and in particular, we're talking about Southeast Asia. Um, you know, there's a lot of back alleys and narrow side streets and, you know, uh, weird ways to access things. And when you're in the business of you know, food delivery services or grocery delivery services or, you know, whatever the things might be, you know, kinds of things that Grab Maps is, is doing, um, it becomes challenging. And so they decided to, to make the investment um, in building their own sort of underlying mapping uh, technology for this. Uh, and then to take that a step further and actually commercially make their mapping uh, technology available to others in, in the region that you know, are having similar issues and struggles. So they describe the, the market in Southeast Asia as $1 billion for mapping and location-based services. That is big. Um, they, they grab maps currently powers more than 800 billion application uh, or API call per month across the, ver the various grab services. Um, and they're finding that with their um, their new underlying mapping technology, they're getting four times lower error rates and ten times lower latency than what they you know had with you know sort of commercial mapping uh, platforms that they were using before. So I think this is really interesting. And like I said, they're also commercially going to make this available later in the year to other apps that want that that need mapping technology. So the base mapping data. Uh, they will license out their places information. They have 33 million POIs uh, within Southeast Asia, and they're planning to grow this um, to 37 by the end of the year. Um, so there's, I think this is really interesting because you don't often see, you know, this is this is the equivalent to like Uber Eats saying, "Hey, we're going to build our own mapping technology," uh, and um, I think it's it's pretty interesting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I do find this very interesting. It's one of those things that you almost want to say, stay on alert for some type of acquisition by a Google Maps or um, an Apple Maps or somebody like that, uh, because if, yeah. if the technology is is uh, more advanced and it's serving that 
that area of the world in a better way. I can only imagine that it would be more beneficial for um, the larger players to, to scoop up as well or license um, and incorporate into their mapping. So I think it's very, it is, it is very interesting to see somebody building their own technology. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, and, and and on top of that, they even built their own um, camera, like you know, like the Street View camera cars that go around. They have their own. It's called Cartacam, uh, so they have their own cameras uh, as well, um, their own technology that they've developed for that, which is is also interesting. So, sorry, it's really loud here. Hopefully, you can't you can still hear me with all the. You're good. I, yeah, I'm not hearing anything. The background noise that's going on over here. Um, so let's move on to the next story. This is kind of a feel good story and more of an announcement, but Walmart is now partnering with a senior care app. Um, it's called Avonlea Care. Uh, and that, that app specifically is, is for families who have, um, you know, seniors that they're taking care of, but they're taking care of them remotely, right? So a lot of times we don't end up living near our families or our parents and, you know, they're aging. And so they want to stay where they are. They want to age with their friends and with their community that they love. And so being able to kind of support them and help care for them from a, you know, another location is, is really important for families. Um, and that's why this Avonlea Care app was actually developed um, by someone who was kind of having that pain point, I think, by caring for her mother remotely. So now they're partnering with Walmart. So they're able to help coordinate care, monitor the wellness of aging loved ones through grocery delivery. So they're using and utilizing the Walmart grocery delivery service um, powered by Walmart completely, but it's all embedded in their app, which is really cool. And I like this a lot because I think we talk a lot of times about how perhaps with, um, you know, an older demographic, they're not maybe so savvy with their phones. They're not going to be ordering Instacart or Grubhub um, or using their devices in the same way that we do. And the same thing will be true with us and how our children interact with devices at some point too. Uh, but I think it's really great that they're allowing like, you know, other family members to help do this and, and make the delivery um, and, and just powering that through Walmart, which has locations all over the place. Um, so I think this is a great partnership and obviously something that will be um, helpful for a lot of families, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge growing need, right? Like I think, um, you know, like the, the AR, AARP service at 90% of use adults uh, age 60 year old or want to stay in place right and and i think that therefore you know that you know that uh, sort of um challenge falls on 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 their their children to try and you know support them in any way that they can right and so you know that's you know having apps like this that are able to monitor that they're getting their medication or you know you know what what you know what's going on with them health-wise um, is important and if you can extend that to make sure that they're also getting the food that they need from a grocery perspective all integrated in, in one app I think why not so you know I think good good combination here of Walmart and, and uh, Avonlea Care so all right uh, final story now we're gonna jump over to Okinawa Japan where NTT data has launched a new service uh, it actually launches tomorrow uh, on June 15th called Mobicama, um, and this is what they describe as a mobility as a service solution for tourists. Uh, so they're starting this in Okinawa. Um, so if you're a tourist and you're coming in, and in particular they're focusing initially on the uh, car rental and car sharing uh, operator markets. And so basically the way this works is it's a new service that um, 
in these vehicles, uh, these car sharing or car rental vehicles. There are several tablets installed in the vehicles that allow passengers to share their travel itinerary and then it makes suggestions uh, based on, on, on real-time location data uh, as to tourist spots that you can check out or destinations you can see. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of interesting. It's, um, they, they've got like uh, a little demo of this I was looking at earlier and uh, it can make recommendations on everything from you know sightseeing spots. It can give you tips on places to eat um, it's got like a kind of an avatar or a char I main character that's kind of navigating you through all this experience called Sasuke, um, you know, on kind of what the cool places are. Um, it's, uh, it can, and then it, the navigation is based on the itinerary. So once the travel plan is registered in the tablet, um, and this is all happening sort of in the, in the rear seat, uh, of the vehicle. The system then brings up the route and links you, to, you know, to the smartphone to the in the driver's seat. So it's connecting from basically from the back seat to the front seat. Um, so you pop in where you want to go, and it automatically updates the driver and adjusts the route and things like that. So I think that's kind of interesting. Like I've I've not seen that uh, happening before. Certainly not anywhere I've been uh, or any you know rental car or Uber or anything like that that I've been in. Um, so that's kind of interesting. There's multiple tablets. So if you're like there with, you know, let, let's say a companion or a family member in the in the back of the car, you can kind of coordinate and look at stuff together and, and, and co-plan your, your trips. Uh, and then it even has an entertainment function where you can uh, do karaoke uh, while you're in the car on these through these tablets. So um, there's a lot going on here, but I think it's, it's pretty interesting. So it launches... Uh, and uh, tomorrow on June the 15th uh, in Okinawa and their first partner is a company called Oryx, O-R-I-X, which is a, a car rental company out of Naha Airport. You had me at karaoke, Asif. Um, I think this is, this is a very like culturally relevant offering. Um, so I think this is more for like probably that culture that's traveling within that area versus maybe tourists coming over from like stateside yeah. or North America. But I think, you know, it's nice to be able to have all of those recommendations, especially if it comes in multiple languages um, and be able to kind of navigate and, and book it right in there. And also to allow the entire group to participate in the plans and ideas of, um, you know, maybe what you're doing. And obviously the karaoke and entertainment function, I'm sure is fun. Um, maybe at least for a little bit, depends on, on who's the uh, who's making the song choices in the backseat, but uh, <laughs> it's very interesting. I, I like it. Um, I mean, it makes me think of the times that like, have you ever been in the Ubers that have the karaoke in the back and you're like, whoa, it's really um, interesting and fun um, and always a good surprise. So, you know, being able to do that like in your own rental car and, and get recommendations on things to do. I think it's kind of interesting, right? I could yeah. see this kind of taking off at least across Japan. Uh, we'll have to do uh, I'll have to reach out to our uh, our team members over there at the LBMA in Japan, Cooney and company, and uh, get them to weigh in on this. Maybe we can even get the NTT people to come over and talk about this at uh, Retail Lookbook. You never know. Um, Maybe you guys can do some karaoke together. There you go. Yes, yes. You know me. I'm always up for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our uh, our show for this week. You've been listening and watching episode number 573 of Location Weekly. Thank you so much for your time. 
uh, please reach out to us if you have story ideas. Uh, I did get a request this week, so we're looking into that for, for next week. Um, and uh, we, we encourage that. So bring it on, uh, and we'll see you next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.